Let's open in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your mercies and for your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would pour out power this evening, power from on high, that you would speak to the hearts, O Lord. You would speak to our hearts. And Father, I pray tonight, particularly for the unbelievers. Father, I pray that you bring the conviction of God and that you draw them to Jesus, even as the scriptures say that that it is the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. Father, I pray that tonight they would come to Jesus. Father, open up the hearts and draw the unbeliever to Jesus. And Father, to the believers, for those who are wavering, for those who are playing with sin, Father, I pray that you bring conviction upon them this very night and you draw them back into a state of repentance. Lord, I pray that your power is manifest and that Jesus Christ is glorified. Father, I pray that you would save the lost for salvation is our aim. Father, do a great work. Lord, your work and your will be poured out. The grace of God be poured out, I pray. The Lord Jesus be glorified. For the glory of Jesus, I commit this time to you. Have your way, O Lord. Bring forth your word with power. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, on the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus said this. And he also said, And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I call you tonight to believe on him, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is able to save your soul. If you think that He cannot save your soul, you will be the first in all the world who is beyond salvation. He is able to save your soul this very night. He is able to call you back from sin. He is able to call you into a deeper place in a walk with Him. He is able to call you into a relationship through the power of the Scriptures, with Himself. If you become wayward in reading the Scriptures on a daily basis and meditating upon it, you are sacrificing your very life for the trinkets of this world. As Moses, as Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 32, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. This is what he, tell, he, he tells them. And he says, this word, this word is our very life. We're going to read from Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 24. Luke 18, 18 through 24.
And a ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now Luke chapter 18, verse 19. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. So it says there was a ruler who came to him and said, Good teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? What is it that I can do? This idea that there's something that I could do to inherit eternal life. What is it that I could do to inherit eternal life? This misunderstanding that there's something that I myself could do to inherit eternal life. Maybe if my good works were just really good and they outweighed my bad works, maybe then I'd have eternal life. So this man comes to him, he says, what can I do? He did not say to Jesus, what must be done to inherit eternal life? He said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus was listened to words very specifically and he answered that word. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So he called him good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You see, Jesus did not say to him, don't call me good. He didn't say that. He said, why do you call me good? Do you understand? He's trying to bring him back to God. He says, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. This is actually a testimony of Jesus' own deity. He said, why do you call me good? Do you realize that no one's good except God alone? So in other words, nothing that you could do could you ever get to God. You could never be good enough. He said, what could I do? He says, in this he's showing them you could never be good enough. And in that you call me good... I want you to realize that God comes first. He is the only one that's good. Jesus never said, Ho, ho, don't call me good. Only God's good. No, he said, do you realize? Why do you call me good? Do you realize why you're doing that? No one's good except God alone. It's a testimony of Jesus' own deity. He establishes right away, God. God comes first. God alone is good. There's nothing you could do to make yourself good enough to warrant this. So then he says, you know the commandments. He brings him back to the Ten Commandments. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. He chose five of the Ten Commandments. 
Just five of the ten. Why did he choose these five? Why did he choose these five? There's five others. Why would he only choose these five? The ones he didn't choose are the first commandment, you shall have no other God before me. He didn't choose the second commandment, you shall not worship idols. He didn't choose the third commandment, you shall not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain. He didn't choose the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. All of these have to do with a man's relationship to God. This man was sorely mistaken. He forgot all about God. He's now speaking, and he doesn't even cite any one of the four first commandments, any one of the four of the first commandments, which all have to do with our relationship to God the Father. He says, you think you're good? Okay, let's test it. Let's see how good you are. He says, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. There's one more commandment that has to do with man's relationship to man that Jesus didn't cite. He knew that this man had fulfilled those five. This man was living by those five. And so that man, hey, I'm good to go. I've got those five down just fine. Then Jesus said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all all you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. There's There's another commandment, which is the 10th commandment, which is man's relationship to man, just like those other five that he read. And it says, you shall not covet. You shall not covet. You shall not desire the things of this world. Desire these, desiring these things of this world. You see, Jesus let him think that he had it all set. He chose the five that the guy was doing okay with. The guy said, I've been doing this since my youth. He said, okay, when he heard this. He said, you still lack one of those. And that's, you shall not covet. And so that you understand what it's going to mean, because everything about you revolves around your belongings, you need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, some people say that's a commandment for all Christians of all time. Sell all you have and give it to the poor. It's actually not. In 1 Timothy... 1 Timothy chapter 6, he tells us very specifically what rich people are supposed to do. And it is not to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. It is actually, it says, tell rich people to be generous and to not put their hope in the things of this world. You want rich people to be generous, to learn how to give. I want rich people to stay rich so they can keep on giving. They give everything away, they're poor. They have no ability to to give away. You want rich people to stay rich and keep being able to give. That's the instruction in the epistles to rich people. Learn to be generous 
Don't put your hope in the things of this world. Be generous. But to this man, he said, you got a covering problem. Sell it all and give it to the poor. Because he wanted the guy to see. There was a sixth commandment, which is actually commandment number 10, that has to do with your relationship one man to another, and that's coveting. Then he also finished it up, he said, and come follow me. Boom. The relationship with God. He brings them back to the first four commandments. You got to get the God thing right. You got five commandments down that have to do with your relationship to other men. One commandment that you, you, you're failing on, which is your relationship to other men. And four other commandments which have to do with your relationship to God that you're failing on. He said, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Come to me. Come follow me. What an invitation. What an invitation. God says to him, come and follow me. Here is the Son of God, God come in the flesh, and makes a personal appeal to this man. He says, come, follow me. It's the same appeal that he gave to the other disciples when he told them, come, follow me. The same appeal. This man had the same appeal. Come, follow me. And you think about it. How, how can a man hear this appeal from God and not capitalize on it? This man was implored by Jesus. Come to me. Follow me. I'll take care of you. You don't need all these other... I'll take care of you. Follow me. How could a man, how could a person reject such an appeal from the Son of God? Follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. You'd think he'd be very happy. Whoa! What an invitation. Imagine if you should get you should get an acceptance letter from Harvard. You're going to be very sad. Be like, whoa! And I just got admitted to Harvard. What an opportunity. This guy was invited to follow Jesus with the same invitation that was given to the disciples. And he was very sad. He was very sad. Because he said, if I follow him, I've got to give up some of my own things. That's too hard. Too hard to give up my own things. And Jesus looked at him. Jesus looked at him. And he says, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. You could say how hard it is for those who are healthy to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for those who have things going well for them to enter the kingdom of God. This thing of coveting gets us all. Paul, Paul the Apostle says of himself, 
In Philippians 3, verse 6, he says, As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church in Philippians 3, 6. As to righteousness, which is in the law, I was found blameless. As to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. Paul said, when it came, when it came to the things of the law, I was found blameless. You couldn't find anything in my life where I didn't observe not just the Ten Commandments, but the 613 commandments of the Law of Moses. 613 commandments. There's nothing there. There's nothing there that you could have found in my life that I was violating. But he was still violating. You couldn't find it because he tells us in Romans chapter 7, verse 8, he says, But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. Paul admits, coveting got me. But you can't, you can't see coveting. Because that's in here. That's in the heart. You don't know what I'm desiring. You don't know what's in my heart. God sees coveting. But your neighbor does, may not see coveting. You see what I mean? Paul says, as to the law, I was found blameless. Nobody could indict me. There was no, none of the laws that I failed on. Then he says in another portion, coveting got me. That's the one that got me. And in fact, it says in the New Testament, coveting is tantamount to idol worship. He raises the bar on us. Coveting isn't just desiring your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's car. It is equivalent to idol worship. He raises the bar on us actually in the, in the New Testament. There are scripture texts which tell us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. I remember the first time I read this verse, a young man showed this to me. In 1977, he showed me this verse. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not a sinner. If you come from a Christian background, that's a very strange response. But if you come from a secular Jewish background, which is what I came from, it's a fine response. We never dwelt on sin. We never thought about sin. I never thought about it. You go to the synagogue once a year on Yom Kippur. The rabbi says a few things. We're good to go for another year. Let's never think about these things. And then he turned to Matthew 5.28 and he had me read this verse. Matthew 5.28 But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Boom. That got me. Everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that got me because at the age of 14 I became addicted to pornography. And by the age of 18 I was... I was, uh, I was addicted, and I didn't think anybody knew about it. I was new in college. How could anybody know about this? But Jesus exposed me. Jesus exposed my sin. Why, of all verses, that young man should turn to this one? Well, maybe he knew the heart of an 18-year-old. But he didn't just know the heart of that 18-year-old. That he didn't know that I was addicted to pornography. That was long before there was any internet. 
There are sins that invade the lives of people that they have a terrible time with. And Jesus exposes that. Jesus exposes it. Then he had me read another verse. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin are death. In other words, for your sin, you deserve to die. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You deserve to die. But there's a gift that's given from God. This whole idea that if let me just be good. If I just be good, I'll be okay. Just like this young man felt. I'll tell you, the vast majority of, of religions in this world, that's it. I mean, if your good works out where your bad works, you, you, you somehow be okay. And that's actually the common thought within human beings, even within believers. That if my good works just outweigh my bad works, I'll be okay. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is not a result of our works. For those here who have never accepted the Lord, for those here who have never opened up their hearts to the Lord, I say you can't get it by trying to be good. That's what that young man was doing. He said, I got this thing. I got it down pretty well. Got it down pretty well. And what he was sharing with him is, no, you've totally missed out on the God part. And even the things that you think you have down well, there's stuff buried in your heart that nobody else knows about. But I know about. And he called him out on it. He's calling you today. And he speaks to believers too. The secret sins that so easily entangle us and to keep us from relationships, to keep us from growing. He exposes them to our own hearts. Everything is open and laid bare to the eyes of God. He sees it all. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us. Jesus has set the way for the sinner. He has set the opportunity for the sinner to come to himself. He has opened the way for the sinner. Acts 10.43 says, Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. He said to the young man, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He said, I want to show you. He said to the young man, Come, follow me. Whoever believes upon Him receives forgiveness of sins. He does not say that there's any that are excluded. He doesn't choose any particular group that's excluded. Did you know 
that within the New Testament, it's mentioned a particular class of sinner is particularly reached out to by the Lord? It is the sexual sinner that God particularly reaches out to. If you read the genealogy of the Lord, it's all men, except a few women in the genealogy. Every woman in that genealogy had something going on sexually of a difficulty in their life. Even Mary, in that she was presumed to have had a child out of wedlock and presumed to not have been a good woman, and that's why Joseph, it says, he didn't want her to undergo the abuse, so he wanted her to go away secretly. Talks about Rahab in the genealogy of Jesus. She had been a prostitute. Talks about Tamar, who committed incest with her father-in-law. Talks about Bathsheba, who was forced upon by David, who was king. Sometimes women feel particularly dirty because they've been abused. And God chooses Bathsheba. She was minding her own business. That's where people bathed was on the roof of their home. And David's home, and I've seen it. You go to Israel, you can see it. Where David's home was, it was up on the hill. He'd be able to see everything. And on that night, he's looking out. And he says, who is that woman? And his servants know exactly what he's thinking. Because men know what other men are thinking about. He says, oh, that's Bathsheba. That's the wife of Uriah, the man who's out fighting the battle for you. That is the daughter of one of your other mighty men. And that is the granddaughter of Ahithophel. She's family in the sense that you know these men well. She's married. But that didn't stop David from calling her And you know, when the king forces himself upon a young lady, it's not easy. Some people make make Bathsheba out to have been a prostitute. Doesn't look like that to me. She was forced upon. She was forced upon. Some women feel terribly dirty because they've been forced upon by a man. Jesus calls them in particular and list them in the genealogy of his son. Jesus appeared first to a woman who had been a prostitute. He has a particular eye out for those who have gone through sexual struggles. A particular eye out. I know in our culture we'd like to demonize that, that that's the worst thing. God reaches out to them. Jesus says this day, come, come to me. 
Come to me. He invites us. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Have your sins forgiven this day. How could that man, the Lord himself holding out his hand saying, come to me, come to me. And we look, how could you have turned the Lord down? He invited you. But look at our own lives. How easy it is to turn down the appeal from Him. Come to me. Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will remember your sins no more. I will remember your sins no more. I will wipe out your transgressions and I will remember your sins no more. You believe in me. Your sins are forgiven. He remembers our sins no more. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will remember your sins no more. Come to Jesus. He remembers your sins no more. Come to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come. Come to me. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You come to Jesus. He who believes in me will be forgiven, Jesus says. The Word of God has this. If you feel as if you are a sinner, come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. Just like he appealed to this young man. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. All ye who are weary and heavy laden, you're tired of your sin. You're tired of living this life the way it is. I get so many emails from people who are tired of life. They want to end their life. They're tired of it. Sin will make you tired of life. Sin will make any of us tired of life. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Think of the picture. Just the picture of just just this burden. Weary and heavy laden. Lord, how can I carry all of this? How can I be the husband? How can I be the mother? How can I be the the wife and and do the job and and pay the bills? How can I do all of this? He says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Have you come to Him? Have you come to Him? 
Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So what he says for us to do is to go to the foot of the cross, take this burden that's on our back and say, Lord, you take it. You take it. You take it. You take this load. Take my yoke upon you. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Is your rest disturbed? Is it hard to sleep? Have you no peace? Jesus has a solution. He says, come to me. Come to me. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we take this big, heavy burden off of our back. And he picks up a paperclip. <laughs> here's, my, here's my burden. It's light. It's a little thing. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. There's nothing there. It's light. If we will but learn to come to him, we get a remarkable amount of things done. Come to me, Jesus said. Come to me. I will remember your sins no more. Boom, it's forgotten. Come to me, Jesus says. The same appeal that he gave to that young man, that we scratch our head, how could he turn? He had an appeal from the Lord himself, from the Son of God. He didn't even answer all these questions right. He had all this junk going on in his life, and still Jesus called him. He said, come on, follow me. Come, follow me. And we, we wonder, how could he have turned him down? For the same reason we turn him down all the time. For the same reason that he appeals to us, that he appeals to us and he tells us to come, spend time with me. Wake up early. Open up the word of God. Spend time with me. You take that burden and you lay it at his feet. So many mornings I wake up and I got a million things going on in my mind because they've been stirring in my mind all through the evening while I was trying to sleep and wake up and I feel, how am I ever going to get all of this done? And then I go before the Lord. I get on my knees just like I was taught by Brother Bach Singh and I open up the Word of God. And I say, just as I was taught by Dr. T.E. Koshi and Brother Boxing. Lord, speak to me through this word. Lord, speak to me. Bring life from the word of God. Speak to me. And just like Brother Boxing taught me, I read from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through to Revelation chapter 22 and when I'm done, I start again and I just pick up reading where I left off the day before. Been doing that since I was a college student. Figure if it worked for Brother Box Singh, it'll work for me. I'm going to follow that man's example. Lord, speak to me through your word. And then you begin to read. And he stops your eyes on a passage. You say, Lord, what are you trying to say? What are you saying, Lord? Speak to me through this passage. 
coming. Life starts to come. Life. He starts to speak through the Word of God. Jesus said, come to me. Jesus said, if anyone keeps my word, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and we will make our abode with him. Jesus said. Take his, take his word and make it a part of your life. Take his word. Make it a part of your life. Come to me. For those here who do not know the Lord, who've never bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, I say, come. Come. I will remember your sins no more. For those here who know the Lord, I say, come to Jesus Are you burdened by your sins? Jesus said, come to me. I remember your sins no more. Come to me. Feast upon my word. Don't let this day pass by. You don't know that you'll have another opportunity. You don't know. Did that young man, that man, he may not have been young, but did that man that we just read about, did he he have another opportunity to come to Jesus? says he went away, it's sad. We have no indication that he started following the Lord. Did he have another opportunity? We have no idea. We have no idea. Jesus tells other parables about rich men who built one barn after another, after another, after another. And then their soul was called. We don't know when we're going to go. Don't let this day pass by without receiving him. Don't let it pass by. Jesus said, come to me. I will remember your sins no more. Come to me. Take that burden you're carrying and lay it at my feet. Believer, for those of you who are believers, who are struggling with the burdens that life casts upon everyone, infirmities, all sorts of things that He casts upon us. Others don't know. You know, it's amazing. God sometimes allows pain to come into our lives and sickness and other people can't feel the pain that we go through. They can't feel it. But they can be enriched by it. They can be enriched by the work that God is doing in our spirit through that pain. That they can be enriched by the work in our spirit as it draws us closer to Him. You who carry these burdens of life, who think, how am I ever going to get through this? My husband, he just doesn't, doesn't follow God or he's so angry all the time. Or my wife, she's just... We never get along. How are we going to work this out? Jesus said, come to me. Is that a heavy burden? That's a heavy burden. When the marriage is having trouble, boy, it's hard to get anything to work right. You think about it all day. You're just thinking about this marriage. Jesus said, come. Take that burden and lay it right there at the foot of the cross. 
And my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You take a paper clip. Okay. <laughs> you carry this. I'll carry your burden. You carry this. Come to me, Jesus said. Cast this upon me, Jesus says. Cast it upon him. Unbeliever, sinner, don't let this day pass by without repenting. Don't let this day pass by. Say, Lord, forgive me a sinner. Forgive me a sinner and come into my life. Forgive me a sinner and come into my life and I will remember your sins no more, Jesus says. I'll remember your sins no more. Don't let this day pass by. That young man, he let the day pass by. He let it pass by. The Lord called him, yet he let it pass by. It was gone. It was gone. No indication he ever came again. You may never hear a call this explicit again. You may never. You don't know. Come to him this day. Come to him. Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to Jesus today. Let's pray. Abba, Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. Father, I pray for the struggling woman who is here today. Who is so distraught in her soul. Lord, I pray that this day she would be relieved of that burden. That she would cry out right now. Father, forgive me, a sinner. Fill my life this day. Fill my life. Father, I pray for that hurting woman who has been sexually abused, who feels dirty and unclean. Father, I pray that the love of Jesus fills her this day, that you fill her with your love, that she understands this day the very love of God. Father, I pray for that man who is struggling with his sexual sins. Who feels, how could I ever be relieved of this? Lord, I pray that he would come to you. That he would come to you and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And he would take that burden and lay it at your feet. Father, I pray that people would come to you this day for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. O oh, sinner, come to Jesus this day. This may well be your last chance. Come to Jesus this day. Turn to Jesus. Let your heart be broken before the Lord and say, Lord God, forgive me a sinner and come into my life. And all those who believe on him will be saved. 
and he will remember your sins no more. Father, draw them to Jesus, I pray, for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.